Lewis Seen still not playing with the ones at Vikings OTAs, it sounds like. Another position battle updates. It's the Locked On Vikings podcast. You like it on three, one, two, three. You like it! You are Locked On Vikings, your daily Minnesota Vikings podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Hey, 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 everybody. Welcome to the Locked On Vikings podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. As always, I am your host, Luke Braun, and let's find some joy today. You can find the Locked On Vikings podcast wherever you find your favorite podcasts, whether it is an audio podcast app or platform, YouTube, or even Amazon Fire or Roku if you just download the Locked On Minnesota Sports app. And a special shout out to my hashtag everydayers. Those of you who actually listen to this show each and every day, I cannot tell you how much I appreciate you. Today on the show, uh, OTAs have now been going on. We've got four in, um, and that's, I think, enough to kind of see where the position battles are. And I want to extend a shout out to uh, Warren Ludford at Daily Norseman, who actually pieced together um, quotes and clips and reports and actually put together some pretty uh, comprehensive information about some of the position battle situation. So I'm going to go over what he uh, put together and sort of talk about where I think those guys are at. And the first one I am going to go through is the safeties uh, with Harrison Smith, who is who's in and out of OTAs guy that old. They're not going to have him participate every day. Um, when he is out, it's Cam Bynum and Josh Metellus. And in three safety looks with Harrison Smith, it's Harrison Smith, Cam Smith and Josh Metellus. Um, Seen did get some work, but only when Harrison Smith was out. So it seems like he is the fourth safety on the depth chart. Um, here's the deal. I clickbaited you a little bit. All right. I made the I made the title a little more incendiary than perhaps this situation warrants. This actually makes perfect sense to me right now. Here's where I'm I'm at. Lewis seen maybe you you you're bummed that he didn't like immediately rise above Josh Metellus last year, right? Um, and if you're bummed about that spot, that's fine. You should be kind of exactly as bummed now because his entire development got put on pause while he rehabbed a horrifying leg injury. Uh, he is now past that, but you're not going to like put him with the ones just because it's year two, right? Like, you know, make him go earn it. And I feel like the sort of status quo I wouldn't have expected him to start over guy or to be put placed on the depth chart over guys. He wasn't over, you know, week three, week four last year before he got hurt. Um, when will there be a cause for concern with scene for me? I'm not good. I mean, if you just are looking at the depth chart, I would say like, if we get like deep into camp and like preseason and stuff, and he still hasn't overtaken it. And then I think the finish line here is like week one, if week one happens and he's like a healthy scratch or something like that, like we should be pretty concerned. Um, but for me personally, it's going to be a lot more about what I can see when I actually can get out there and see him. Um, I'm going to let my own eyes do this for me and I'm pretty comfortable with that. Uh, so that, I don't know. I guess you could like panic as much as you want, but I highly doubt that we are going to get through all of Lewis scenes season without seeing a lot of him health, notwithstanding, of course. 
Um, we will see him on the field one way or another. And if there is a gigantic problem that is keeping him off the field, which is very much possible, uh, then, you know, all will be revealed. And I'll wait till that moment instead of venturing a whole bunch of guesses. That'll probably just age poorly. We don't need to do that in May. Uh, Elsewhere, um, let's stick to the secondary the base defense cornerbacks to start. This is, I think, a wide open competition. Um, I, I really, truly look at this depth chart, and I, I, I could not tell you who will end up winning this competition. So there is a long road ahead. But the starting corners are really interesting. You have Juwan Williams, um, who, you know, former second round pick, kind of fell out of favor in New England. And if I read the tea leaves right about his time in new England. It seemed a little bit like he was going to get cut. Um, but then he got hurt and he got kind of put on IR instead. And then, you know, he ended up leaving that way. So I I felt like he got usurped by a lot of guys. To me, he didn't read as like a, this is a possible starting corner kind of acquisition, but here he is taking first team reps. Now, will that last throughout camp? Eh, Who knows? We'll see how, guys like Andrew Booth and Makai Blackman do. But a Caleb Evans and then, of course, Byron Murphy are the other two. Uh, the, there's your kind of starting three with Byron Murphy playing outside and then Evans and Jawan Williams kind of splitting snaps on the other side uh, at outside corner. And then a lot of like Josh Metellus playing nickel uh, and, you know, that third safety playing nickel sometimes. And then I should also mention um, Andrew Booth is getting some reps with the ones as well. So there's like a lot of rotation there. But with a Caleb Evans still kind of seeming like he's ahead of Andrew Booth, which was a surprise from last year's camp that I guess has still kind of sustained itself. Uh, and at this point, yeah, it's it's kind of the same thing as Lewis seen. It's like, OK, this is where the depth chart shook out at the end of camp last year. Everybody's a rookie. We all come along at a different pace. All OK, if you're now past that you know, we're going to start you behind those guys and you can come into, into work every day and prove it. Uh, and, and we'll see, you know, first couple days of camp is when I think we really see some decisions get made based on like OTAs. If they ever do get paid, made based on OTAs, um, tracking it like day to day is not going to be, there's not like a, Oh, five OTAs have gone by. That's enough. Like it's kind of, I don't know. Everybody approaches that differently. The corner battle is fascinating to me, uh, and I, I'm I'm really excited to see. There was this big scuffle, I guess, between uh, Andrew Booth and KJ Osborne. This is what Andrew Booth does; like he just scuffles. He's a scuffler, uh, <laughs> but he's a he's a scrapper, a, a tussler, if you will. Uh, he likes to get in a tizzy sometimes. <laughs> but we'll see exactly how those rotations play out. Especially when we can get into camp, we can get a little bit more of a clear picture of where guys are playing, who's in the nickel, and stuff like that. Um, my guess is probably that a lot of these guys are taking some work in the nickel because the hope is you have as many guys as possible that can play outside and inside. So that way you can shadow if you like a matchup. Um, I want to get to wide receiver stuff, stuff on the D line, um, stuff on the running backs. All of this is, is pretty fascinating, I think. Uh, but before I do that, let me talk to you about a good old gramble. You can go to FanDuel.com right now and bet on the NBA Finals Heat versus Nuggets. Uh, You can go bet on how many buckets Jimmy Butler will get. Uh, You can bet on like three pointers made. You can bet on uh, like a crazy parlay. You can go parlay it with the hockey finals. Um, 
whatever you could, whatever's under the sun, you can find it at FanDuel.com. And right now, if you go to FanDuel.com slash locked on, and, and if you're signing up for the first time, you can get a no sweat first bet up to $2,500. $2,500 in bonus bets back if your first bet doesn't win. And yes, that number has gone up. That's $2,500 back in bonus bets if your first bet doesn't win. There is no better place to bet all of this finals action. You can get great promotions all the time. The app is safe and secure and very easy to use, and you get paid out instantly. Once again, that is FanDuel.com slash locked on to get that no sweat first bet up to $2,500 in bonus bets back. FanDuel, official sports betting partner of the NBA. Thanks so much for making Locked On Vikings your first listen of the day and a special shout out to my hashtag everyday or sound off if you can um for your next thing when you're done with this uh episode i would love it if you went to patreon.com slash nfl and watched the ed ingram video it was kind of a companion piece to what i talked about with ed ingram yesterday it is currently patrons only so i would love it if you signed up and watch but it will become open to the public uh sooner rather than later i'm just kind of giving a couple days of early access for for those who have actually joined uh as a token of appreciation Moving on with some more position battle stuff. Let's stick to the defense for now. And uh, so Daniil Hunter, not at OTAs, pending contract stuff. Um, With that going on and with Marcus Davenport playing a little bit on the inside, um, sort of playing with like Dean Lowry on that more inside role, which is kind of interesting. That's not really his role. I mean, he with the Saints, he played in a 4-3. He played edge rusher. Um so you would expect him to kind of do the same thing that Daniel Hunter, who played that, you know, 4-3 edge rusher in the Zimmer days in the 3-4 the front. But Daniel Hunter is playing outside. I would assume he's going to keep playing outside uh, or as, as like the outside linebacker, I guess you'd call it, in the Flores version of the defense whenever we get to see him. Um, that's what you would assume. And I kind of would have assumed the same thing for Marcus Davenport there, but, but they're playing it inside and it sort of makes sense to me. Marcus Davenport's sort of identity is beating guards inside. And a lot of times he gets there via a loop, but I guess you're just kind of right now having him line up there, which, all right. Yeah, I guess that's fine. Um, but what that does is it opens up quite a bit at, uh, the, that like edge rusher spot with the ones, um, which has mostly been DJ Wanham and Patrick Jones. Those are definitely the next two guys on the depth chart. So there's not really a surprise there. But uh, Luigi Villan has gotten some of the reps there. So he's probably like the next guy on the depth chart, the, that like fifth guy. And if you think about that room, and if you still consider Marcus Davenport part of it and say, okay, we can only keep five, then that sort of leaves a lot of guys that are, are pretty interesting names on the outside looking in like Andre Carter, Curtis, Curtis Weaver, um, those other kind of names. Um, Luigi Villan is definitely like the name for those guys to, uh, to knock off. The other guy getting some sneaky reps, the ones is TJ Smith. And I think on the inside, um, so Harrison Phillips has been off to the side doing a little bit of rehab as well. So Kyrie's Tonga has, uh, taking most of the reps in his place. You also have Dean Lowry, who is playing more of that sort of three tech, four tech kind of role um, where like what, what they've got Davenport doing. And um, then you have TJ Smith coming in with the ones through that. So again, that's like a very interesting position group with um, Harrison Phillips and Kyrie Tonga kind of being the main two guys. But then, you know, you, you do have um, 
somebody like Jonathan Bullard or Asezi Otomowo or uh, Jaqueline Roy, um, and none of those guys are getting involved really as much. Um, getting TJ Smith in with the ones is very interesting. He definitely didn't, wouldn't have been the guy that I would guess uh, would get that. But again, when we get to OTAs, there is quite a bit of, hey, this is just sort of the status quo, and we're going to play status quo depth charts right here, and it's sort of now the onus is on you to break status quo. So, you know, with guys uh, like Jonathan Bullard or Jaqueline Roy or whatever, um, I, I'm su- sort of surprised that that Bullard isn't getting more of that. Or is he hurt? Is that what that is? No, I, as far as I can tell, he's been out there, um, but not getting those first team reps is very interesting, especially with Harrison Phillips on the sideline, taking Tonga out of the equation for that. Um, but I guess Bullard is sort of losing his job, I guess, to, um, you know, Dean Lowry and maybe even uh, Marcus Davenport. I'm very curious to see if and when Daniil Hunter gets back into the mix, what they end up doing with Davenport. Is he really going to play that inside role? I can see the argument for it, uh, but it would be a bit of an unorthodox move. Um, so that is very interesting to me. Uh, I also think that it is worth mentioning um, on special teams that you're getting a little bit of competition with uh, the returners, which is always the case. Um, I think of all of the camps I have watched, I've never seen it be any less than everybody who thinks they can return, go be with the returners. <laughs> and and you get eight, nine people starting that off. And then a lot of times it's like, like with Marcus Sherrill's, it was like Sherrill's would just win that job over and over and over again, but he always had to go through those motions. So I wouldn't freak out too much about seeing competition. But I do want to talk a little bit about uh, Jalen Naylor and Jalen Rager, uh, as well as what's going on with the running backs. So um, we'll keep that rolling. Keeping it moving here with the Locked On Vikings podcast position battle update edition. Uh, let's move to the offense where things are certainly a lot more solidified. However, a lot of the kind of obvious options are not there at the wide receiver position. Um, no, Justin Jefferson, no Jordan Addison. We've, we talked about that a little bit yesterday. Um, so that gives us the opportunity to kind of see who would slot in that kind of fourth and fifth spot. Uh, obviously KJ Osborne's with the ones he's sort of been stepping up being the leader. Everybody's really happy with him. Um, and I think for whatever it's worth, it sounds like he's, you know, clearly looks like the best receiver out there. Um, you know, I, I got a lot of questions in the mailbag about like, well, what if like Jalen Naylor overtook KJ Osborne and sure anything's possible does not seem to me like it is happening right off the bat. But Hey, again, who knows? Jalen Naylor seems to be kind of the, uh, the darling of the spring. um, and that momentum can carry over to camp. You have a really good camp. Anything can happen. Uh, but I don't think it's going that that far. KJ Osborne is also having like a really, really strong OTAs. Um, but the thing about Naylor is in two receiver sets, again, no Jefferson, no Addison, it's Osborne and Naylor, where last year that would have been Osborne and Rager. Um, so that swap seems to have happened and it seems it happened on like the first day. So it seems like that's the decision the coaches made going in. This should be status quo. Um, and it'll kind of be on Rager to take that job back. Although if Rager wins the punt return job and that's kind of going to be what his job is and who he is anyways, um, then there you go. That's that. But you've got a lot of competition for that punt return job as well with Naylor himself, with Brandon Powell, who was brought in like as a, one of the 
uh, better returners in the league, I think, when he was with the Rams, when, when Kevin O'Connell was there. Um, so there's a, a lot there. And everybody's also splitting all of the uh, kick return reps with Wong Wu. And it also sounds like Ty Chandler is involved in that, at least from uh, Warren Ludford's uh, observation of a special teams clip in one of the like OTA videos. So we're like going real deep on this. I appreciate your work. Um, It's an interesting little running back thing. I mean, I did did an entire episode on the possible running back configurations, although that was assuming Dalvin cook would be gone. I still think that that is the most likely scenario, but I'm far less confident in it than I was like three weeks ago. Um, just based on what's been reported and stuff, Uh, public information. I'm not reporting anything here. Don't, don't mistake me for that. Um, I should also mention, by the way, we'll, we'll talk about the June 1st stuff tomorrow because it will be June 1st. Uh, or it will be June 2nd, which is like the important day. I forget this is, it is June 1st for you. I'm recording this before June 1st. Um, so the June 1st stuff is all post June 1st. It's the post June 1st cut rule. Uh, so it actually takes effect on June 2nd. So if you're waiting, I've seen a lot of people on Twitter and a lot of people on like Reddit and and Facebook and all this are, are all kind of saying like, Hey, it's Dalvin cook gets traded day. Um, it, is no different from May 30th right now. Uh, it could be the day we get the news and then the report, but the trade can't like physically process till the second, uh, because of all of the cap stuff that we've been talking about. Essentially, it will get into it more, but essentially like if you're going to trade him to Miami, for example, Miami doesn't have the cap space right now, but they get a $13 million influx of cash because of a post June designation that they did. Um, but that, that calculation doesn't get come into effect until June 2nd. So Friday is the day that that stuff can actually happen and process. And that's just like the first day it can happen, but there's nothing stopping it from happening on June 4th. Maybe, hey, you got some more cap space. Let's restart negotiations. And then that will take some time. It might not necessarily be, hey, we agreed to this months ago uh, and we're just waiting for the cap to clear. It doesn't necessarily have to be that kind of situation. And it could be something where we, you know, where, where nothing happens at all. It's all on the table. Um, but... For now, no Dalvin Cook at camp, and that means Alexander Madison is getting, you know, RB1, and Kevin O'Connell even talked about him as, like, a three-down guy and all that. Like, they still really are behaving like a team that does not anticipate having Dalvin Cook on it. Uh, So maybe, I don't know, maybe that's all just a smokescreen. Oh, he's changing his mind. You better get your trade offers in because he might actually not take the, or he might actually, like, take the pay cut and not get cut, right? Like, it could just be that. Ty Chandler and Kenny Wongwu are currently rotating for RB2 and, and competing, which is about what I would expect. I wonder how Dwayne McBride gets into that, but he is still nursing the same hamstring injury that prevented him from testing pre-draft. Um, that, that stuff can definitely tend to linger, so he's still working on that. Uh, and we've just got this like open competition, Wongwu versus Chandler. I was a little curious, though, to see where those guys would like start. Um, you know, last year... It seemed like Wang Wu was ahead on the depth chart for like all of preseason and all that stuff. Um, when there actually was an opportunity for Wang Wu to go in as a running back from scrimmage, it was at the end of like a blowout situation uh, against Dallas. And Ch- Ty Chandler had a fractured thumb, so it, it, there wasn't an option anyway, so we still didn't get to learn. Um, but now we can kind of see where they're at, and it seems like they're at, hey, open competition. Everybody... Um, splits reps and let's see who who makes it right um and we'll see how mcbride slots in there 
I still kind of feel like you just keep all three of those guys because Ty Chandler was useful on special teams. Of course, Wong Wu is incredible on special teams. Um, you keep Madison, and then uh, I still think Dewey and McBride can just make the team from scrimmage. Um, they did that last year, but it like required those guys to be useful on special teams, and I just kind of think that they're going to check that box again, but that's me predicting how the preseason goes, not telling you where the team is at or anything like that. We can't really tell that stuff from here. Um, that is encompasses all of the things that uh mr ludford was able to to figure out uh and he also i'll link the the article in the show notes if i forget to please yell at me um he wrote kind of a whole recap of like all things we've learned on otas just sort of like compiled it which is very very helpful like who's hurt and who's been in and out and who's playing where uh, some of the like main quotes we've seen. So if you've missed OTA stuff, if, if you haven't been up on it, I mean, I haven't like been keeping you updated on every single OTA or anything like that. Uh, and you want to kind of get the skinny. That's a good place to go. Um, tomorrow we'll, we'll see you where I end up. Um, kind of a busy day. So I might do some everyman stuff. I might just kind of riff on something a little more abstract. We'll, we'll see how I'm feeling when, you know, the, uh, the full moon comes out. And the blood witches cry, which is usually when I come up with my favorite ideas. Uh, <laughs> see y'all tomorrow. And as always, skull. <laughs>